So we do appreciate everyone coming and being with us here this morning. Appreciate our visitors. And uh, we're just seeing what God's got for us this morning. All right, Brother Jamie, you'll do your part. Yes, Get your lights out. Get your lights out. Get up real high. Real high. Oh, we don't hide them. The fishers are men, right? Okay, get up right here. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. those who have been faithful in helping support our church and uh, I'm so thankful for uh, those who were able to make it out uh, this past weekend looked like y'all done good fishing and uh, and I do appreciate everyone for coming good having our visitors with us all right brother Ron Lord Jesus we thank you Amen. Thank the Lord. So, um, <clears throat> Teresa, if you would come and be getting us a, a song. And uh, Teresa and I, uh, I'm glad we made it back from our vacation time. And uh, we took a little time off. It was so good. Just the, I'm sorry, just the two of us. Uh, well, it's two and a and a mud. But anyway, I do appreciate the Lord. He kept us. He brought us back safely. Uh, we missed being with y'all, but I also enjoyed being with my wife. How's that? All right. So let's get in. You know, the Lord is interested in you. You personally. Yes. And what is so important in your life is for you to come to know Jesus. Yes. To know who He is. These are talking about knowing facts. 
But then to do more than just know who He is, but to know Him. To be personal with Him. For when He speaks, you say, oh Lord, that's You. Okay. And when you pray to Him, He'll say, oh, that's my my child. And He hears you. Okay? But let me tell you something. It's a wonderful thing to be like that. But you know what? It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing when God doesn't hear you. Yes. And He doesn't answer your prayer. There's something that separates us from God. And so in just a little bit, I'm going to preach some about that. But I'm also going to preach about what God can do to change your life. Amen. All right, Teresa. God is so good. Uh, my husband and I, when we go on a trip, I guess y'all probably talk to each other when y'all go on trips, don't you? Yes. We don't. We like to listen to uh, book, books on tape because we normally don't get to do that together. So yesterday, coming home, we were listening to a book, and I just sat there. It's just my life story. Pretty much, and just didn't let my try not to let my husband see the tears running down my face because uh, a lot of it, my life, was in somebody else's story. And uh, a phrase keeps going over and over. He left the ninety and nine for one, just for one. Of course, he'd take them back to the fold, and if they had a broken leg. If they had a leg broke, because he had to break it, he mended them up. He put one back on it, and he fixed them. He hand-fed them, took them to green pastures until they could walk, and they stayed with the fold. And then there was another one that left. You ever been that one that ran from God? Yesterday, coming home, we had a stretch down Highway 80, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm yelling at my husband, Stop! He stops a truck right in the middle of Highway 80. And I jump out and start running with all I got. And this old lady with gray hair. Why? A mutt. There was a mutt in the middle of the road that almost got hit. And so here's all these trucks stopping. Piles of them. Maybe. Do you need help? Yes, sir, I'm trying to get a little doggy, and he's stuck underneath this SUV, and he's growling at me, showing these big old teeth. And so these big old men were all on the ground, stopping traffic both ways for a scraggly, matted, flea-bitten mutt. Mutt. Mutt! So I finally get in corner. Now I'm going somewhere. I crawl underneath this guy's truck. And the other guy started pushing this dog towards me while I got his leg. Y'all know the rest of the story? He bit me all up. I got blood squirting everywhere. And then I'm in an ant bed. Didn't know it. But I got that mutt. Yeah. I mean, I was going to get that mutt, Brother Ron. I got that mutt. He's alive. He's not on the side of the road. What do you mean by that, Sister Butler? He came looking for me. He came looking for me. 
He came looking for me. And I'm thinking, Lord, how dirty and the dirty places I made you go to to just find some mutt like me. You had to go way down in a nasty place to find me. But he left the 99. He came looking for me. And I feel his presence in here today. Sing with us. Thank you. 
over and over and over again. Amen. He will help us. And I appreciate the Lord for that. <clears throat> you might think, well, I got saved, but I'm still having to go through the fire. That's part of it. Amen. You know what it takes to, to get purified gold? Huh? It takes heat and a lot of it. And then it takes some skimming off of the old junk. And so when we go through the fire, God's helping to purify us that we can be more like Him. And that's what I want to be, more like Him. If you have your Bibles here this morning, I'd like to uh, for you to turn to uh, Joshua chapter 7. I'm just going to read one verse. It's really a familiar story, but I, I'm not preaching it in the really the familiar way. I want to touch our hearts. I want to get down to what it's going to take to make heaven our home. So when you have it, if you would say amen, and if, if you're able to stand, to uh, stand with me as we take our text and read our text here this morning. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 21. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian gar uh, garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Let me read one more time. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that Your Word is written in such a way, Lord, that it is, a, it is informative just in the plain black and white or red. And it also can go deeper, deeper than just the page, deeper than just our thoughts, but down into our hearts and our souls. I pray, Lord, here this morning that You would anoint these feeble lips of clay. Lord, we have many, several children here this morning. I thank You for each and every one of them. And we thank You, Lord, for our visitors. But Lord, I pray more than anything else, I thank You for Your presence. Yes. And that Your presence, Lord, is dealing with our hearts. That Lord, You are saying, come unto Me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here this morning, Lord, anoint us. Touch hearts. Save souls, Lord. Change lives. We pray. In your blessed and holy and righteous and wonderful name, that name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. 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 <clears throat> Titling the uh, the message, I don't I do that fairly regular now, but I'm titling it a cloak, silver coins, 
and a wedge of gold. A cloak, silver coins, and a wedge of gold. I mentioned already this morning that uh, while my wife and I, we were on vacation this past week, and we have a common hobby that we like to do together other than listening to books on tape. And that's to shop. Not necessarily spend money, but to shop. To look, to wonder about things, to wonder how it might look in our house, to wonder how anybody could afford such a thing. Yeah. Huh? Uh, to look at why would anybody want something like that, you know? Uh, to uh, uh, look at fascination and uh, look at new things in the stores. Look at things in the store and say, no, I'll pass on that. And other ones, uh, no reason to enter in that store. Too expensive, not my style. No way I'd buy that. Huh? When Teresa and I were younger, though, we liked to frequent the high-end shops. Come on. I'm going somewhere. We like to... uh, Dine at Elizabeth's on 37th Street, the Hyatt, the Pirate's House. Uh, when it was, back then, it was, that was one of the top restaurants in the nation. You might not realize it now, but anyway, it was. We like to go to the Cloister at Sea Island. You say, I never heard of it. Well, that's probably the reason why. It's kind of exclusive. My wife opened up the menu and closed it back and said, we got to go. I said, how come? She said, there's no prices on mine. I said, I know the prices are on mine. You order whatever you want. Huh? Come on. (laughs) We love those great restaurants. And we like to stay at places that we could normally not stay at. Like the Jekyll Island Club. Swanky places. Huh? It made us feel kind of um, yeah. Come on. uppity. Kind of made us feel like we were rich for just a little bit. But in reality, we were poor. I was on an expense account during those years. And, uh, you know, we were living another lifestyle. We were living a lifestyle of the rich and the famous. And in all honesty, that was more my failure than Teresa's failure. She wasn't filled with as much of that as I was. It filled our imagination on what it truly meant to be born into money. And I said all that to say this. I kind of think that's what happened with Aiken. I kind of think that's what happened with Aiken. Achan found himself battling at the Battle of Jericho. He was killing and destroying all kind of things. He was going through uh, the place and really and truly when he went into this place, it was like a place like none other he had been to. Huh? He had been raised in a tent. Come on. In the middle of the desert with three square meals a day of manna and water. How would you like that? I don't know how old he was, but that was the way it was for 40 years. 
manna, and water. What are we having for supper tonight? Fried manna. Huh? What are we having for breakfast in the morning? Scrambled manna. Come on. Forty years. Huh? Uh, and he really, this place was no place compared to, except for maybe the temple that he had ever been in. Money was not used where Achan was raised at. Maybe where y'all at too. Huh? There's no need for it. There were no stores. Just sheep, goats, oxen, manna, and water. All over the place. Sheep, goat, oxen, and water. Huh? He probably never remembered a new pair of shoes. Huh? <laughs> he never got a new set of clothes in all the years that he lived there. Come on. Never did. You know why? Because God had blessed him during that time that their clothes did not wear out and their shoes did not wear out the entire time. And so Achan, he never got these new clothes, never got new underwear or whatever because he never needed any extra. This place, Jericho was a walled city, a city of stone and brick and tile, roofs and floors. You take these for granted, don't we? Some of them probably even had indoor plumbing. Wealth was everywhere he looked. He had orders when he went in there. Orders. From the Lord and from Joshua his general. Huh? He was not to take, he was to touch nothing, he was to leave everything, he was to kill everything and everyone he saw except Rahab and her family. Uh, That is what he did. But you can't do all those without thinking, going through this place. Why can't we have just a little bit? Huh? Who's going to miss it? Huh? And it's not stealing because I done killed the folks that owned it. Come on, it's not stealing. And then he found, and this is my imagination now, I think he found himself in this beautiful house. Okay? Multiple rooms. Maybe a a bedroom or a a dressing room. Are y'all there with me? Huh? And he walks in and in that dressing room, there's nobody else there with him, nobody around. He sees this Babylonian garment, a cloak, probably a purple, with gold thread through it. That's the way a Babylonian garment was. They were very expensive. And right next to it was this sack of gold coin, uh, silver coins, and a little wedge of gold. They done left the house. So he takes off his backpack that he has. Because you got to have a little water and you got to have a little food when you're fighting like that. And he puts it all down in there and he said, nobody will know. Nobody will know. And so then he goes out. He would be richer and the cloak was just his size. But God. But God. You might think you can commit the perfect crime and that nobody sees you, nobody will ever know what's going on. But God. 
He's always seeing. He sees where you are. He sees what you're doing. He even knows your thoughts and the intent of your heart. He knows those things. And so what what, uh, Achan did is the same thing you do when you commit a sin. Do you know that? Huh? Do you know this? And you do what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. And every other human being, including myself, when I've sinned, there's a process to this. Most of the time, we look and see it was good. Huh? Then we allow our heart to get involved in it. Wow. I look really good in that cloak. Wow. What I could do with that. You ever had somebody ask you, what would you do if you had a million dollars? Huh? Oh, wow. Huh? And then you move on from it just being sight and thinking in your heart and your mind to where your hand starts moving out to take a hold of it. Come on. This is the process of sin. This is what can happen. Amen? Uh, and uh, you're moving out there and, and you begin to move on what you're thinking and what your heart's got in your sight. You might begin to move your foot to get closer. You might move that little mouse on your computer or the cursor. Or you begin to type or you call or you speak or you eat or you do something to get a hold of what you are looking at. And then this leads to secrecy. To be secretive. To hide. Huh? Uh, That word there is really talking about a word that's a little fancy. It's called dissimulation. But it means to conceal one's thoughts. Or to conceal their feelings. Or to conceal their character. It's a pretense. Or to conceal those things that you have taken that you shouldn't have. Come on. Y'all getting this? You getting this? All right. Like the words. Over in Genesis 3, 6, and 7, it said, And when the woman saw that the tree was good, good for food, It was pleasant to the sight. Wow, this really looks good. Then the tree to be desired to make one wise. Wow, this is going to give me so much. But, you know, we do vitamins now, but back then it was a tree, huh? And food. Come on. It'll make me wise. It'll make me strong. It'll do all this great stuff for me. And then she reached out and took it and ate it. And they gave it to Adam who was standing right next to her this whole time. Gave it to him. And he ate it. The process of sin. Huh? This uh, that I read to you, my text, is actually the confession of what uh, Achan was telling uh, Joshua. Oh, let me tell you something. God can pinpoint you in a big crowd. Here, I can't remember exactly, but there was about 300, if I remember correctly, there was around 300,000 of these soldiers who were fighting. 
And so they had gone up and they decided just to send 3,000 men over to a little old city called Ai. And ended up they lost 37 men and put that 3,000 to flight. And it was, it was just, as we'd say here in Georgia, it was a podunk town. Nothing to it. And Joshua said, if we can't defeat a little town like that with 3,000 men, what, what's going on here? And the Lord said, you've got sin in the camp. Yeah. What? He said, somebody has taken the abominable thing. Now I want to tell you something. There's normally nothing wrong with a cloak. There's nothing really wrong with silver uh, coins. And not that I've ever had any a wedge of gold. Okay? But the Lord had told them when they went in to fight there, don't take anything. Kill everything. Amen? Don't take it. Uh, destroy. This is an abominable place. And so therefore, in that particular case, anything taken out of there was sin. Sin. So he confessed to it. Said he coveted. How many of you know you youngins here know what covet means? Any of you know what the word covet means? Huh? Yeah, it's not used a whole lot today, but it means something that is desirable. Something that you really, really want. It's like when your mama cooks cookies. What's your favorite cook? What's your favorite cookie? Chocolate chip cookies. Okay, your mama cooks chocolate chip cookies and they come out of the oven and she's trying to save them till later on in the day and she says, don't you eat none of them and you just keep looking at them like, oh, i got to have that chocolate chip cookie. Huh? Any of you ever felt like you were about to die because you wanted that chocolate chip cookie? Yeah. Come on now. Maybe throw yourself on the floor and beat the floor Ah, I've got to have a chocolate chip cookie, huh? That's coveting something. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a fancy telephone. Maybe it's a girl or a boy. Come on. Maybe it's a new house. Coveting. He said he saw those things and he coveted them. In his heart, he said, there's nothing wrong. Nobody will ever know. And he took those things. And so, John Gill said uh, about this verse, he said, this verse gives us a notable instance of the progress of sin. Sin enters into the eye. Or the ear, by the way. It sinks down into our heart. Huh? We begin to think upon it. We begin to picture ourselves in that. None of y'all ever done anything like that, have you? Got a bunch of liars in here. Huh? Then we said that, John Gill said, and then he actuated his hand. He moved his hand. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Unless you've got some terrible type disease or illness with you, your hand doesn't move unless you tell it to move. Huh? Raise your hand. 
Raise your other hand. Raise both your feet. Well, I can't see all that. But anyway, <clears throat> your mind tells you to do all that. Okay? He saw. He coveted. He said, I took and I hid them in the earth. James tells us, the book of James, James 1, 14 and 15, he said, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Huh? And enticed. That is an important part too. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Huh? Drawn away of your own love. Who knows the purpose of advertisements? Huh? Tell him. What is it? That's right. To get you to buy whatever you are being avid. And it, the, the root of it is to make you unhappy with what you've got and to tr- get it to trade in for this other which that strong looking man is advertising for, you know, or the mama and his her sister, I don't know how they do it anymore. It, it's only been since 1980 I had a television, but anyway, uh, you know, her hand, do they still do that Paul Mollett test? I can't, most of y'all don't have television, so I don't know. Okay, so anyway, but it's causing you to lust about something. Who would ever thought that we would all be carrying these little bricks in our pockets? Huh? Who would have ever imagined? And y'all remember the first ones? They, were, they didn't even have telephone service. They were called PDAs. Personal Digital Assistant. Huh? And uh, I don't know about you, but mine wouldn't vacuum the floor. It wouldn't do a lot of things I thought I could get it to do, but it wouldn't do none of that. It's getting closer now. What are we desiring? What is it that we want in life? What are we looking at? John, 1 John 2 and 16 says there are three gateways into your soul. Huh? Three gateways into your soul. Do you know what they are? Huh? That's right. One of them is that. I don't know if she meant to, but she blinked a few times. One of them is your eyes. And then one of them is uh, your, your eyes, your flesh. Huh? Have you ever done something and you just tingled all over uh, with excitement or joy or happiness? Huh? You ever done any of that? And then you try throughout the rest of your life to replicate that some way. Hey, am I losing all y'all? Y'all still with me? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so, in John 2 and 16, it said, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. 
Teresa and I had a friend who uh, well, she was Cherokee, and anyway, she uh, she and her husband got dressed up real nice and fancy and went to a big fancy restaurant. And uh, really, truly, they were like Teresa and I a lot of times. Most of the time, they were poor, making it from month to month, okay? And so, but anyway, they were there, and she just said, I'm as good as any of these other rich folks. And so she puffed up her chest and was walking out and slipped on the floor and broke her leg. <laughs> and she said, I know the Lord was trying to put down that pride in me. Because I did that in front of all of those fancy people. Okay? The pride of life. Sometimes we do things trying to be someone we're not. But God knows us. Amen. What are we lusting for? What are we seeking after? What are we wanting to binge on? Maybe it's it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's cigarettes. Maybe uh, you're wanting to look and see half-naked people or naked people. Amen. I don't know what you're wanting to do or what you're wishing for your perils. You know, oh, if I could get that Babylonian garment. I, woo! All the girls would like me. And then all the girls would say, all the boys would like me. Huh? Come on. Maybe you're wishing you could make yourself more appealing to others by exercising. Hmm? What about Jerry? You working on that? No. <laughs> Me neither, brother Jerry. Me neither. <laughs> uh, maybe you're going for a new tat. Tattoo. I just cannot imagine. <coughs> Why? Why? Huh? Oh, it'll make me more attractive to whoever you're trying to be attracted to. Hmm? Come on. Maybe it's another um, piercing. Huh? Teresa and I had a friend. He had a pot belly most of the time. But I remember he come walking into church one day and I'm thinking, wow, how did he lose all that weight so fast? He had, and he had one of them squeezy things around his waist. Why is that important? What, what is, what's the purpose of that? It's that pride of life. Chuck Swindoll said that most people are who they think other people think they are. Huh? You are who you think other people think you are. So important. But I want to ask you, what does God think you are? What does Jesus think you are? Huh? I want to ask you about all those different things. Teresa and I, I just, I won't include her in. I've been through thousands of, uh, uh, well, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of uh, diets through the years. 
Uh, I'm going to tell you, we went, we had a cabbage diet one time. That was terrible. Anyway, and then we had another one that was, uh, you know, if it tasted good, spit it out. Come on. We had all kind of diets like that. How's it? How's what you're doing to get your new body image or your self image? How's it working out for you? How's it really working out for you? Huh? You know, today we are living in a world of people that are dealing with depression, anxiety, regrets. I want to tell you something. Those three, most of the time, are tied together. Depression, anxiety, and regrets. And it's because people acted on things that they knew was not right. It's not good for them. I'm trying to hurry. So what did it cost Aiken? Did he have to give all the stuff back? Huh? Did he have to pay a penalty for it? Did he have to go to jail for a little while because of it, huh? I want to tell you something. Well, let me ask you something. What do you think what, what do you think it costs Aiken to take those, just a, just a garment and a few coins and a little wedge of gold? What do you think it cost him? Huh? huh? What was his penalty for all that? Y'all are not helpful. I'm getting them blank faces. Yeah, it cost him everything. 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 It cost him his family. It cost him all of his earthly possessions. His animals, his tent, and even his life. And not only his life, But apparently, his sons and daughters were in on this too, in hiding it. They lost their lives. The sons and the daughters. What did they do to them, Brother Jeff? They took them outside of the camp. They pick up rocks that are in the desert. Yeah. And then they start throwing them at all of them. Yeah. You ever had a rock kitchen? I'm not talking about a rock. Maybe you got hit by a pebble. Mm-hmm. Something around like this. I'm talking about a rock. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Boom! Then boom! Boom, all over. And it didn't stop. It just kept going. 
And even when he fell down, they just kept piling more rocks on top of him. It cost him everything. Can I tell you something? One sin will cost you everything. That's right. One sin. One disobedience against God will cost you everything. Amen. Uh, We know uh, over in John 3.16 it says, For the wages of... I'm sorry. uh, That's Romans. For the wages of sin is death. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a lot. Roman said, though, uh, I'm sorry, I got, got ahead of myself a little bit. The sin, the sin will cost you your eternal life. Yes. Huh? So what? What happens? What happens? What happens whenever somebody shoots you or runs over you and you die? Huh? Are you dead? That's just the beginning. Yes, it is. Because you are going to live forever. Forever. Forever! That's not just six months. That's not a thousand years. That's not 10,000 years. That's not millions of years. It's for eternity without end. And you're going to live in either one of two places. Heaven or hell. I want you to make it to heaven. Jesus wants you to make it to heaven. Do you know Jesus is for you? He's not against you. He's not up there with a big old baseball bat looking and saying, I can't wait till he sins. No! Our Jesus is there to help us. Romans 8 and 3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned Sin in the flesh. He put a condemnation on it. He brought a judgment to it. Over in 1 John, he uses this phrase. He said, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah! Jesus came to destroy sin in your flesh and in my flesh and in your mama's or your daddy's life. He came for that. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Or do you believe that we just join up and hopefully that, that uh, I, I just hope I can make it in. It's more to it than that. That's right, Jesus came to destroy sin yes. in flesh. Do you understand what that means? How many of you have said, Oh Lord, forgive me. Help me not to ever do that again just to do it again and again and again. Huh? You ever been in that place? And, to do it. and after a while, it just gets hopeless. And even some people just quit praying about the thing because 
It's just going to happen. That's just the way it is. I'm in this flesh. There's no hope. No! Jesus came to condemn sin in the flesh, to destroy sin in the flesh. Amen? He made a way that we do not have to sin. Woo! But you got to die. You got to die and invite Jesus into you, into your life, and then let Him live through you. Woo! Oh, hallelujah! Jesus living in me. Jesus living through me. Changing my thoughts. Changing my attitude. Changing what I do. Changing all the bad things about us. Amen. Jesus in us. And with Him in us, all things are possible for us. Amen. It goes on. Sometimes we just get uh, bogged down on trying to take care of the sin issue. We need to move on from the sin issue to the greater things. Jesus said greater things than what I did. You're going to do. What? Going to heal the sick. Give sight to the blind. Raise the dead. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe it. And not only do I believe it, I know it. I've seen it. Amen. Teresa, come get us a song. I said you had to die. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. What? Yes, a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The changing of that mind. The, when Jesus gets in your mind and you start thinking like the Lord would. Come on. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Jesus will change you. You want Jesus to change you? Hmm? Thank the Lord. I asked the Lord to change me. It's easier for me to give you a year than a, how many years ago it was. I asked the Lord to change me way back in 1980. Huh? How many of you were alive in 1980? That's my group. That's a long time back, folks. Long time back. Here's the thing. He's kept me. He's still changing me. Still making me like he wants me to be. Everyone that will, if you would stand with me here this morning. Let's stand. After I get you to the altar, I'll turn the heat up. How's that?
So I want to ask you a question. I'm being very serious right now. Very serious. Why don't you bow your heads too. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I want to ask you a question. Are you tired of living? Are you tired of living the way that you're living? Are you tired of fighting the sin, the regret, the depression, the anxiety? Do you want to make a change in your life? Do you want Jesus to be in you? Very serious. Did you know somebody's going to ask you about what you did this morning? There's going to be a time coming up that you're going to go before a great judge and he's going to ask you how what did you do with what you heard? What is this? July, no, August 7th, 7th in the year 2022. And when he asks you that question, you're going to immediately remember exactly what you're doing right here at this moment, at this time. That's right. It's going to be important how you answer it. He's going to say, did you accept me? Or did you make fun of me? Did you just laugh it off? How you answer that is going to make the difference between you going to heaven or going to be cast into eternal hell. We're not asking you to join a church strange about that. We believe that if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you're part of the church. We're part of the church. But I will ask you, would you be willing to tell that devil, devil, I'm tired of you being on my back so much. And I'm ready to make a change in my life. If you are, you can come and kneel. The boys and men kneel on my on the side of the drums, and the ladies kneel at the bench, and all here on the side of the piano. I'm not going to come to you and tell you say this. You say this. I want you to come and start talking to Jesus. You may not realize it, but He's here. He's here. not saved, you can say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Save me, dear Jesus. Change me. Maybe you're not where you need to be with God. You can ask the Lord, revive me. Help me to be the man, the woman, the girl, the boy that you want me to be. And I'll tell you what, He'll answer. He'll answer. So let's come, let's gather around, let's pray and seek the Lord here this morning.